This is the EVP Podcast. Alright everybody, welcome to another episode of the EVP Podcast. I am Beaker. Ghosty's over here. Alrighty, that's that. That's, that's us. That. That's, that's us. us. It's the EVP Podcast with just us. Yes. Um, <laughs> thanks for listening to last week's episode on the Whitmore Mansion. Um, as soon as we can get in there, we will give an update on our experiences and we will let you know. Yeah, like I said, this is going to be a revisited episode. Yes. And this one is, like I, I think I said last week, this is not something we're just adding to our list of places we want to go and probably never will. We actually will go to this Because it's not that far. No. It's not hard to get to. <laughs> no, it is not. It's and about an hour south drive. That's yeah, I don't it. think it's expensive either. No, I we're definitely going. All right. Um, before we jump into things, normally we save this for the end of the episode, but I'm going to put it at the beginning. Because this Saturday, as of this airing, we are going to the Ritz Theater. We still have a couple tickets left. So if you're interested in joining us for an investigation of the Ritz Theater, check out our link tree. It should have the link to the Eventbrite. Or just go to Eventbrite and look it up. I'll put a link in this episode description as well. Uh, Tickets are $50. And we will be going from like 8 o'clock at night to like 1 in the morning. So we have the place for about 5 hours. And it's a really cool venue. Yeah, we've got some pretty good activity from there. You can check out our last episodes from the Ritz Theater. Yes, we've done two episodes, I think, about the Ritz Theater. Yeah. Or at least one for sure. Um, also, I have finally got it out there. You can go to the Eventbrite. We'll put a link for this one as well. We are now officially selling tickets for our Benson Grist Mill investigation on Friday, October 20th. Tickets for that one are only $25. Get them now. Yes, get them now. Don't wait. I mean, it is like a week before Halloween. We're only 11 days before Halloween on that one. It's spooky season. Let's start Come now. and enjoy. Spooky season is now. Spooky season for us is starting now. But continue celebrating spooky season with us, like I said, Friday, October 20th. I think as soon as Target starts dropping the pumpkin spice flavors, oh, it's geez. pumpkin spice season. It's spooky season. It is spooky season. It was really spooky to see that someone found a pack of Red Vines pumpkin spice. Yeah, red wine, pumpkin spice. Just calm down with the pumpkin I spice. I mean, I right? love me some pumpkin spice because I'm as basic as it gets when it comes to that. But I don't know. I think um, it's. I think there's a line that you can cross, and that's crossing I it. I think they found it. Red wine <laughs> has found the line. Yeah, it's one of those things where. So like, we're fine with like pumpkin spice Oreos, pumpkin spice lattes, pumpkin spice pancake mix, and everything else. But we draw the line at red wines. I think it's when it comes to like. Trying to make things candy. Trying to make a pumpkin spice candy. I'm cool with the with the treats, the pastries, and all that good stuff. But when it comes to candy, I think it needs to stay the hell out of there. I agree. It needs to stay out of everything. <laughs> Not everything. Just the candy department. Yep, everything. Got it. <laughs> all right. All right. Okay, so enough of that garbage. Um, pumpkin spice <laughs> is garbage, in my opinion, by the way. Pumpkin spice is everything nice. So last week, we came home to Utah. Now we're going abroad. To Tasmania? Tasmania. We're going yeah. to Australia. Yeah. To a little place called Port Arthur. Supposedly super spooky, and I've never heard of it. That's okay. I have. <laughs> a year ago when I found out about it. Um, Port Arthur. This is a fun little community. Yeah. Or it was back in the day. Well, I, I knew how Australia got its start with prisoners 
populated. It was a penal colony. Yeah. Australia so, was. So um, when after losing the Revolutionary War, the Brits could no longer like send their prisoners here to the States. So they started shipping them off to Australia. So when I heard, like when I was younger, when I heard about this, I just imagined these prisoners just getting flown in and dropped off and like, all right, you're in the bush. Fend for yourselves. Build your own huts. Yes, sir. 1800s, early 1800s. That's what I, that's what I there thought. There was no airplanes. Okay. They got shipped there. <laughs> they got shipped there. They got um, put on a boat. But this is my whole thought was that they just brought them there, dropped them off and let them fend for themselves. But that's not at all what happened. No, not <laughs> at all. They came to Port Arthur. They came to Port Arthur. There were some other places. But they, <laughs> they came to Port Arthur. And the guy that was like in charge of this place originally, he wanted to make it like a community. Basically, he wanted to make it a little thriving town. And what better way to build a town with free labor of your prisoners? That's actually pretty genius. It is. Well, <laughs> I mean, look at some of the other places we've talked about. Uh, the prison in St. Augustine, Florida. They did the same thing. Uh, that seems to be kind of a recurring thing around the world, especially in this time frame. So this prison started, or this penal colony, actually started in about 1830. So, I mean, you've heard about chain gangs. We've talked about other prisons, like I said, that use their prisoners to build as, as free labor. I mean, they pay. I think they pay them like, I mean, nowadays probably like twenty-five cents an hour. Yeah, sure. Why not? Back then, they probably paid them in strawberries. Nothing. They're like, okay, you live here, build <laughs> you, our community. You have two strawberries today. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, it's it was it was known as an industrial prison, uh, and it started as a timber camp in eighteen thirty. There was a lot of forest nearby, so it was easy to get the wood. Timber and camp. Timber camp. Yeah. I don't imagine Australia being known for their timber. Well, but I'm pretty I guess sure they, 1830 there were, I guess. Yeah, that's why we don't see it now. <laughs> well, it's, it's and that was that's kind of how it got its start. Um, about 15 years after it started, they built a shipyard, and they actually built over like 100 ships there for uh, Britain. The prisoners did? Yeah, the prisoners did. So this is a place like they would learn trade skills when they got sent here. They were being sent here to be reformed, more or less. Yeah. And sometimes they were given these jobs. Like people didn't have experience building ships, but they were taught on the job. And they gave them like skills that they could use if they were ever released and went back home. They had now a trade that they could do. Well, I thought so like the whole point was to get them reformed. And then after they served their time and if they were good, they got their own plot of land. And I think so. They got to build a they got their own little property and house and everything there in australia they never got to go back to england yeah, no they got to stay there yeah um and the funny thing is is i guess there was some other like timber camps nearby and some other shipyards that were getting a little pissed off that all these ships were being built at port arthur for basically free because they didn't have to pay the prisoners to build them and so that ended up getting shut down so then they went into uh, producing flour from a mill that they built. They also made boots. They built bricks. They made nails and all sorts of other stuff for to sell to other people, obviously, uh, to help keep the prison running, to help keep it funded. And this place actually served as a penal colony from 1833 all the way up until it was closed down in 1877. Had a good run. It did have a good run. Uh, I think the reason why it ended up closing down is... Um, 
they decided to kind of stop with the prison. They stopped sending prisoners there. They didn't have a reason to send them there anymore. And so they basically just like dwindled it down. I think at the peak it had over like, um, I would say like 5,000 inmates. 5,000 inmates? Yeah. And it slowly, I, I think when they decided to kind of shut it down, they just stopped sending prisoners there. They didn't like send them elsewhere. They just kind of kept them. Stopped sending prisoners there. It got down <laughs> to about 500 in the early 1870s. And then by 1877, there was about like 126. And they basically just, these were the, the people that they left there. I think they did move some of the prisoners, but the ones that they left there for like the its final years were people that were stuck in the asylum that just like were kind of old and it basically became like an old folks home at that point until they passed away. And then after the last person passed away, they just shut it down. There was no need for it anymore. No need for it. So when they first built this, they, they thought this place was inescapable. Okay. So they thought, so they thought, so the reason why they thought it was in inescapable, uh, is cause it was, it was located on a peninsula that was surrounded by supposedly shark infested waters. I mean, Australia is known for everything that can kill you pretty much. So shark infested yeah, waters want, for sure. If there's an animal that's going to kill you, it's, it's in Australia. It's, in Australia. it's going to kill you fast. It's in Australia. <laughs> exactly. So the only way to the mainland from this peninsula was through a 30 meter wide isthmus. Uh, this place, this had guards on both sides, both sides of this. They also lined it with man-made traps and half, really? half starved dogs. So they were really like went all out to make sure people didn't get off of this. Right? Yeah. <laughs> However, it felt the dangerous things don't kill you. We starve these dogs just in case. <laughs> yes. We built traps, we starve dogs, and we've got guards lining the whole place. So, um, yeah. If the if nature doesn't kill you, we will. So there's only 3 people that have been known to have, have escaped from this place. One was named Martin Cash. And two other people had escaped with them. Uh, I couldn't find out how they escaped. I just know that they did escape. Now, okay. there, was, there was another guy that did attempt to escape. Escaped. He did. He attempted to escape. He didn't make it very far. What happened to this guy? So this dude, uh, it went by George. His name was George Billy Hunt. He decided to disguise himself as a kangaroo. Where? How? I don't know. Somehow this dude got a kangaroo skin. Disguised himself as a kangaroo and was like trying to run away, right? <laughs> Only problem. Is that he looked, didn't look like a kangaroo? He looked like a kangaroo, actually. Oh, shit. Well, the guards, kind of hungry. I guess their food rations are a little low. They see this kangaroo and they're like, dinner. <laughs> right? So they, they started taking aim and they were like trying to shoot at him. Um, <clears throat> they... Again, they wanted food. They wanted the kangaroo meat. Uh, when he realized what was going on, he threw the kangaroo uh, hide off of himself, put his hands up in the air, and surrendered. He's like, I'm not, I'm good. He was probably thinking, oh, shit, they, they got me. They figured me out. Yeah, pretty much. I don't know. Instead, they were just hungry. I don't know. They're going to try to eat him. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure he didn't know that. Yeah, they. I'm sure he heard the bullets and or the guns firing, and he's just like, okay, I'm I'm, I'm they got me. <laughs> so, uh, because he did this, they, he actually received 150 lashings. So, from... What I want to know is how we got a, a whole kangaroo hide in prison. I have no idea. 
That's I mean that's amazing that he did Somebody that. Somebody smuggled in a whole kangaroo he's hide. Like, he's like, here's fifty cigarettes, give me a kangaroo hide. I don't know. This is but I think it's funny. This is very funny. So up until like eighteen forty eight, they actually use this they use like physical punishment, right? They would beat the prisoners or you As know, they should. If they if they were acting up, right? Yeah. Bad mouth in the guards, yeah. Beat them up. So this place wasn't this. They didn't send first time offenders to this place either. Yeah, like it wasn't someone that just like committed one crime. You wouldn't go here. This was reserved for the people that were the most hardened of convicted criminals. Yeah. So they were repeat offenders. The ones that don't learn. Pretty much. Well, they they were sent here to learn. Yeah, they're gonna learn them real good. Um, they also sent uh, rebellious people from other convict stations here. So this is like basically rebellious people. Rebellious people. What would be considered? Rebellious I don't know. People? I'm just reading my notes from that. I this that particular notes from like a year ago. But um, I don't know. They they um, like I said, they had some of the strictest security measures here, and they they were really harsh uh, on their punishments physically As until they until 1848. That's when they came out with the separate prison. Yeah, it was the like quiet a, prison. The quiet prison, yes. It was uh, an octagonal prison, basically. Um, it looked like a cross, like a like a plus sign with a cross in it. Oh, okay. Um, and it was designed to where the guards could see every single prisoner, right, from their stations. And this, this is nuts. Because we've talked about this. If you listen to our Eastern State Penitentiary uh, episode, they did something similar. I think they went a little overboard here. I think that was a lot harsher at Port Arthur. But basically what they did. Well, it's because these guys didn't learn. Clearly. Yep. Well, sometimes the people that went to separate prison were just newcomers. Like, you'd come in and you'd go straight to separate prison. Okay. Probably because they deserved it. So, here, it's very possible. <laughs> like I said, they were sending the, the worst of the worst to this prison. Right. So, here's what separate prison did. Like I said, they had a to where the guards could see everybody. Um, you weren't allowed to talk. So instead of here, instead of using corporal punishment, they use psychological punishment, right? So if you were good and followed the rules, you would be rewarded with more than usual food. You might even get stuff like tea and sugar and tobacco. Uh, if you broke the rules, they'd punish the shit out of you by giving you, maybe if you're lucky, bread and water. And if you're really bad, they would send you to solitary confinement. Now, just in the regular part of separate prison, uh, prisoners were placed in individual cells and they had to keep quiet for 23 hours a day. They weren't allowed to talk, make any noise, any work. They well, had no, to do. they couldn't do that for 24 hours a day. I think. For well, so in the cells. Yeah. In the cells. In the cells. Yes. 23 hours a day. Silence. Any work that they did or anything they had to do had to be done in complete silence. It got to the point where even the, some of the guards started learning sign language. That's how so, they communicated. So they could communicate So because they, they wanted this place completely silent. So the one hour, one hour a day, they were able to leave their cells. But they were hooded. Yeah, they had to mask them so they don't see anyone else. Yeah, they didn't want them seeing anyone else. They didn't want to look in the eyes of any of the other inmates. Um, they had to eat alone. Just kind of like, like if you listen to, if you go back and listen to Eastern State Penitentiary, um, you know, the, they did something very similar there as well. And I think this place actually did it around the same time, if not before Eastern State Penitentiary did it. 
But yeah, complete silence. Um, the reason why they did this is they said it would allow them time to reflect upon their actions and what they had done that got them there in the prison in the first place. Um, that's not what happened. <laughs> no, it made them go crazy. Yes, sure did. They would get they. Some of them got mental. They became mentally ill because of uh, the lack of light and sound. Um, when that happened, they were then moved to the asylum where they eventually die from malnutrition, maltreatment, and neglect. I wonder how many times they just forget about people. I'm sure a lot. Just like forget about a whole wing. <laughs> like the whole wing just dies. Oh shit. Forgot about the whole eastern right? side. Well, I'll just send them to the asylum and then we're like, okay, we're, we're, we don't have to worry about these people anymore. They're crazy. <laughs> we drove them insane and now we can forget about them. Now they're just too much to handle. Right? <laughs> crazy place. Oh, Here's man. a fun thing. It's not really fun. Um, here's a fun thing that's a, not here's, fun. Here's, a, here's, a, here's, a, a, here's a fun fact. It's not really fun, though. <laughs> they didn't just send adults here. Now they did send they send men and women. Yeah, apparently um, they starved dogs too. <laughs> they starved dogs. They sent men and women there. I think like maybe twenty percent of the population uh, over the course of the the place being open was women. Um, but they also sent juveniles here. I wonder why they would do send juveniles. I mean, they're not. I mean, repeat well, offender know, juveniles, really. <laughs> quite possibly, apparently, even if you stole a toy, you'd end up here because they wanted to reform the kids. Uh, the thing is, is um, they they had all the, adult, the adults doing hard labor, right? Building stuff and, and working in their, their shops and whatnot. Uh, the kids were not free from this. They also had to work hard. Now, the, here's the funny thing. is they're not funny thing. I, I'm going to stop using that word. Um, <laughs> they, they'd sent boys, uh, basically 14 to 17 there. With They have records showing that the, they had some people that were as young nine. as nine years old. On this colony. Um, over the course of time, 3,000 boys were sent to this, uh, to Port Arthur. Well, pretty much once you're sent there, you're not coming back. Right. So, so like, so basically, uh, from one of the videos we watched. Could you imagine um, your kid being taken and sent to prison at 9, 10, 11, 12? I'm sure these kids didn't have parents. They wouldn't have. Yeah, they're probably orphans, huh? Probably. Yeah, okay. I can see that sense. happening. So here's the thing is like, so they they would keep them there until they were 16 or 17 or so. And what they would do is if the kid became literate enough by the time they were 16, they would set them free on their but own. they don't teach In them Australia, that. in the middle of nowhere, with no food or money or place to live or a job or any of that at you know, 16 years old. And like you were saying... They don't teach them how to read or write nope. in prison. They sure don't. So pretty much you have to learn from someone else by the time you're 16. And if not... Well, well then you just stay there until you learn how to read. Yeah, you're just going to keep staying there. Um, what they did do for these kids is they did put them on a little separate island called Point Pure. A little kid island? They had a little kid island. The um, the reason they did this is they thought that keeping them away from the mainland, the children wouldn't be subjected to the negative influences of the adults. But yet they're in prison. Yeah. <sighs> oh, um, yeah. The thought process of these guys, these yeah. guys were in charge. 
These, yes. These are the guys making the calls. They wanted to keep him away from the adults because they thought the adults would have a negative influence on them. Meanwhile, they're in prison. Their living <laughs> conditions were completely terrible. Uh, many of the kids died to diseases or malnutrition because they weren't being taken care of. Uh, they also were forced to do hard labor. Uh, they were forced to do things like stone cutting and construction. These kids actually built one of Australia's first non-denominational churches. And adults and children alike, they were um, required by law to attend weekly Sunday services. By law. By law. By the queen. Yeah. Actually, I'm sure it was the commandant or (laughs) the governor there that gave himself the power to make this a law. We're going to reform everybody. You have to go to church. I'm sure if they didn't, they were punished by being whipped or beaten or whatever. Or starved. Yeah. Or starved. Um, This place apparently was so bad. um, People started committing murder just so they can get out of there. And how do they get out of there by committing murder? Death. Death. Because if you commit murder, you're sentenced to death. They would rather die. So it's a two for one. Um, they kill somebody, so they get killed, and they're both free from this hellish prison. That's just so insane. Yeah. Murder was punishable by death. Murder, yeah. And that's their only way out. That was one of the uh, one of the ways that people thought was the only way. So out. So I wonder if it's like a it's, that's considered murder suicide, or it's like a pact. I don't know. They probably just came up on people and like you know. I'm going to kill like, this random guy because you'll thank me know. later. <laughs> kill him. Yeah. See you on the other side. You can thank me when I meet, when I see you on the other side. Like just imagine how crazy bad do you think it had to have been that people are literally like committing murder just so they can be put to death. So they don't have to deal with this anymore. I wonder if it's was as bad as like, what was that other prison where they were taking them outside in the freezing temperatures and throwing water on them? Oh my gosh, I don't remember when we talked and, about it. Yeah, that was another prison that were the. It might have been Eastern them. State. I think it was actually. I think it was Eastern State Penitentiary. I think it was, and yeah, where their skin was freezing. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd probably want to die at that point. I'd probably would rather die. <laughs> yeah, I probably would too. I'd, yeah. I at this point, I don't know what was worse. This prison, this prison was actually probably worse, but Eastern State Penitentiary is like right up there with it. Yeah, they're pretty. They're both pretty bad. Um. So. Nearby, they had this little kind of island they called the Isle of the Dead. It's where people that died inside of the prison were buried. Uh, it was yeah, it's a little small island located in the harbor off of Point Pier. Oh shit! And the thing is, is like there is only sixteen hundred and forty-six recorded graves. That's not saying that's how many people were actually buried right, there. That's when they started. That's just recording that's it. just when they started recording it. Um, only 180 of those graves are marked. Okay. And of those that, that are marked, they only belong to staff and military personnel that were stationed there. So they didn't mark any of the prisoner graves. A lot of the prisoners, um, I guess before they started recording the graves were just thrown into mass graves. I was just going to say they probably fed the sharks. It's possible. They fed the sharks or they threw them into mass graves. I think either or. or- I think probably choices. both, I'm sure. <laughs> both are good choices. So, yeah, um, that's kind of what life in prison was like and, and what went on there. Um, well, we're going to talk about... The ghosts. The ghosts now. I mean, the place did kind of... 
Uh, after that, it was sold off. It was like auctioned off. The, the building started kind of falling apart. It was auctioned off and was sold to somebody, and it was known by another name. For When did they shut down? 1877 is when it officially shut down. Okay, so it has not it was not operational during the 1900s whatsoever. No. So what happened is, like I said, it was sold off, and it, they the, whoever bought it changed the name. I can't remember where they changed it to. Eventually, it got sold back, or they ended up renaming it back to Port Arthur, and now it's just a tourist attraction, more or less. Yeah, I wouldn't say attraction. I'd but say it's a, it's Australia a guidelines are pretty close to the U.S. when they got started, so 100 years, definitely haunted. Yes, sir. Definitely haunted. I mean, again, they started this about 1777 is yeah. when they started sending people to Australia instead of uh, here in America where they were sending some of their prisoners. Um, so, yeah, it's pretty much just been a, a pretty quiet, nice uh, tourist place uh, all the way up until Sunday, April 28th of 1996. Shit went down. It sure did. So... This is a apparently a brief outline of events. But on the morning of Sunday, April 28th, 1996, a young man armed himself with three high-powered firearms and a large quantity of ammunition, and then he drove to Port Arthur. Uh, just north of the township, he entered the home of some locals that he knew. He went inside and shot and killed them both. He then drove up to uh, a local cafe named Broken Arrow, where he sat down and ate a meal out on the deck. After he was done eating, I guess he needed to get full first. Um, he decided that he was going to go open fire on the lunchtime customers that were there. He ended up in 90 seconds. Uh, he was able to kill 20 people and injure 12 more Holy at this shit. little cafe. Uh, he then went to an adjacent car park or parking lot uh, where he shot and killed four more people and wounded a bunch of others. Uh, after shooting at all these people, he got into a car, his car, and he drove up to the former main entrance to the original toll booth. Uh, in this area, seven more people were killed in two separate incidents. Uh, and during this time, he actually stole one of the victim's cars and abandoned his own. Okay. So after that, he drove farther north. Uh, he ended up outside the general store where he killed one person and took another person hostage. And then he drove back to the house where he first started killing people. And uh, after police showed up, he'd fire random shots uh, at their vehicles along the route. Or not. So he holed up there and, you know, had this hostage with him. And he just randomly fired cars driving up the street. So while he was at this house, he set fire to the car that he stole. And then he took the hostage into the house. And it says throughout the afternoon and throughout the night, uh, he, shots were fired at police officers on the scene. And at some point during the time, he ended up killing the hostage. Uh, it was in the morning. He set fire to the house and he was captured by police as he was trying to flee from the burning house. <laughs> okay. So initially, he pled not guilty to 72 charges. A couple days later, he ended up pleading guilty to all 72 charges and was sentenced to life in prison with no possibility for parole uh, on all 72 charges, including 35 of those being murder charges. Damn. So the events of that day there at Port Arthur actually encouraged Australians to question their gun laws and on the private ownership of automatic and semi-automatic firearms. And that's when it uh, sparked a debate there 
Um, and they eventually passed new gun control laws that are among some of the strictest in the world. So it was, this I was going to say if that was the, what caused because when we yeah. talked about him having those high powered rifles or assault rifles, I know that they don't allow those in Australia anymore. No. Yeah. So, Australia so this has is some, what set it off. Yeah. This was, this was kind of was the, the starting point of these gun laws that they have now in Australia. I mean, you can still own guns, right? Just not the high-powered. Yeah, you, I don't think you can own the rifles. I don't know the exact gun laws of Australia. I don't plan on buying a gun there, so I've never looked them up. But, yeah, this one incident here in 1996, this is what got them to change their gun laws to what they are now. And they're some of the strictest gun laws in the world. I bet you they don't have mass shootings anymore. No, I don't think they do. Weird. I know. <laughs> I'm all is for it? guns. I like guns. But I understand the... the well, I don't understand the need to, for high-powered rifles for everybody. Um, I mean, I understand if, you know, you can buy those with special permits, but... Yeah. Uh, uh, yep. Guns. 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 That, yep, don't shoot up people. Yeah, you won't have to get your rights taken away. <laughs> Pretty much. Okay, so now that the, that's some of the history of this place, we're going to talk about some of the ghosts. Ghost stuff, man. Okay, so first I got here... 1835, there was a murder at the church while it was murder. being built. Murder? Yeah. So there was this dude named William Riley, got into an argument with another guy named Joseph Suttleworth. I know a guy named William Riley. Do you? Strange. Well, I don't think he's this same guy. Or is he? Or is he? Maybe he's the Highlander from Australia. <laughs> Anyways, while they were digging part of the foundation of the church, they, they got into an argument. Um, William... Picked up a pickaxe and hit Joseph three times in the back, or hit him three times with it. Put the pickaxe back down and just kind of whispered to himself, "I am satisfied." <laughs> right? Uh, somebody heard overheard that. Like yeah, somebody? I guess. I guess someone heard him say that. Yeah, he killed this dude with a pickaxe, and he's like, "I'm satisfied." Hmm. <laughs> Crazy thing is, besides this guy murdering someone else with a pickaxe and being satisfied about it. Um, blood splattered everywhere, right? Yeah. On the walls of the church, okay? So it's obviously been cleaned up. And we kind of talked about this. I think it was the um, the Monte Cristo homestead. Remember how we talked about like the lady fell over the balcony? Okay. And even though they cleaned up the blood stain, you can kind of still see the blood stain. Yeah. Similar thing here, but the ivory that grows all around. Ivy. Ivy, yes. <laughs> Ivory doesn't grow uh, unless it's on elephants or rhinos. Um, the ivy that grows all around the church will grow everywhere except for where that blood was splattered from this uh, murder. Hmm. To this day, the ivy won't grow there. I bet you there's more science behind it. There probably is, but that's... Like that, shade. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not compelling if you use science. True. It's more... Ominous. Um, dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Ivy won't grow there to this day. Because of the blood. Because blood. Was once there. <laughs> Look. Weird. I didn't write the stories. I'm just telling yeah, the stories. Yeah, yeah. So there's also a bell tower in the church. Okay. Like all churches. Like all churches. You know, the, the only difference with this bell tower, because you know it's not functional, is that there's no stairs or floors up to the bell tower. Um, but people see shadowy figures and strange figure, figures figures, at the top of the bell tower, even though there's no way to get there. 
so this one uh, tour guide was saying how the people that do see this person up there, they can actually make out a lot of features. Oh, really? And they said that it's actually strange how much features they can actually see with how far away and how high up it is. But they said that he has red hair. That's not me. Are you sure? Uh, no. I teleport. Yeah. The other thing that they say they hear this bell tower. So all the bells have actually been taken down. They're no longer in the bell tower. They're on the ground. They don't have the ringers. But people can randomly hear them ringing while they're going around there. Ghost rings. Ghost rings. Uh, there's another building called the Parsonage Building. This mm-hmm. was built in 1842 for a Reverend Durham. Durham. I can read. Um, he was there, I think, up until about 1857 when Reverend George Eastman moved in with his wife, uh, Louise, and his 10 children. And then he died there. He did die there in 1870. In that room. In, well, in, in, in the room, room in the house. Yes. Yes. Um, after he died, people started seeing his apparition. It was like a, a year, a year after he died. Right. Um, they started yeah. seeing him. Yeah, he, he had to spend a good year just kind of figuring himself out. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Knowing that he's dead. What was weird is after this, people also started smelling this really strong, like, sulfuric odor in the home. Ghost farts. Ghost farts. If you ever smell that sulfur? Well, they, well, it's quite possible. They say the source of this has never been found. Of the sulfuric acid. Ghost farts. Ghost farts. We so f- we figured it out. There's a tour guide that was uh, that actually saw a spirit in there himself, and so uh, what he saw was in that parsonage house where Reverend George was. Uh, he saw a tall man in a brown suit. But the, like he was see-through. Like but you could still see all the details, but it was still see-through. I know exactly what he's talking about. Anyways, this spirit, uh, frown, like they made eye contact, and the the spirit frowned at him and started walking towards him and took a few steps and just disappeared. That's crazy. That's pretty pretty. That's badass. awesome. Yes. So yeah, he saw that, that in the parsonage house. One might say he was probably scared or fascinated, but we don't know. We'd have to. We'd have to ask him. Um, (laughs) Some of the other things that people experience in this this parsonage uh, house is they hear moaning or other strange noises. And the lights also. Ghost sex. um, Followed by ghost farts. Sometimes Uh, it happens at the same time. Yes. Um, (laughs) All sorts of farts. Uh, (laughs) um, They also say that the lights flash on and off even when no one was home. Um, There's also the junior medical office. Okay. Do you have any notes? Do you have any tour guide stories on this one? On the medical office? Yeah. N- the surgeon house, yes. Okay. So, the just kind of paint the picture here. By the church, um, there was a or across the street from the church, there's this row of houses, right? This was called Officers Row. They this is where several of the most senior officers lived, and it was also separated from the prison, so the workers didn't feel like they were living with the inmates. Uh, the first house on this row is called the Junior Medical Office. Now, in the basement of this medical office was the location of the senior surgeon's dissection room. Okay. So, yes, there's stories about the dissection room. Okay. So, what this what they did here in this dissection room was after people died, um, they wouldn't just do autopsies. They would do, like, these random-ass, like, medical experiments. I think every random hospital asylum 
does their own experiments. Right. So We've we heard found. about lobot. We've talked about lobotomies before, and those are usually performed when people are alive. Uh, these experiments were perform- performed after the inmates died, and there was like no consent. The prisoners aren't saying like, you know, you can use my body for medical science after I die. They, they, they just did it. They're like, okay, we're gonna. This guy's dead. Well, they. <laughs> no one's gonna know he died anyways. Everyone that he knew right. is over in England. Pretty much. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's um, it's. We've talked about other places too, where it's just like they're running this prison or whatever that's out away from the main uh, England, and these governors are just doing like whatever the hell they want because they don't really have any supervision. Or uh, I think it even happened maybe in one of the places we talked here in, in the states again, where like the mayor and like the warden didn't actually cahoots. they actually didn't live in the prison, so the guards just kind of did whatever the hell they wanted. So the, some of the religious men there felt like this was a kind of a desecration of the souls of the, the inmates because they were doing all these experiments without the, the inmates' permission. Um, some of the things that people report while going into the dissection room is that temperature were, temperatures would drastically drop, and people have also reported seeing eyes on the walls and bloody faces appearing on the stones of the walls. So in that dissection room another tour guide ended up like there's this corridor and they're all like dark like stone hallways everything's just made of stone and dark and anyways she says she's looking down this one hallway and saw a man's face down in that hallway that was right in front of her where like the light was reflecting off the face and i mean it's a dark hallway so if anything was in there light you know doing anything causing any kind of motion or just light reflection you're gonna see it yeah so she saw that face uh double check to make sure nobody else was in there couldn't find anybody but yeah saw somebody looking right at her that's that's nuts and then there was she also, might also have been scared i think she was a little fascinated we'll find out <laughs> eventually we'll talk to her um there's a surgeon house there is a okay <clears throat> And in the surgeon house, um, there's talks about uh, a tall man with a black coat and a bald head. Have you heard about that? I have not. Yeah, but that's that's what they report a lot of in that surgeon house. Interesting. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> we got anything else from Officers Row? Um, no. Okay. Next up, I have the lady in blue. Did you hear about this one? Not till I saw the notes. Okay. So, the reason why they call her the lady in blue? I'm going to guess this. She's wearing blue. No way. How did you know? It's a thing. It's a it, thing. It's like the lady in white you hear about flipping everywhere. Yeah. Um, the lady in blue wearing a blue dress. Go figure. Um, so, she's rumored to be one of the wives of, or the wife of one of the officers that uh, worked there at one time. And she actually suffered a really bad miscarriage and lost her child. Um are they all really bad? I yeah, they are. <laughs> um, so they say that she's seen, still kind of searching the grounds, looking for her unborn child. Um, one of the rumors is is that the child actually couldn't be buried on the Isle of the Dead with her because the Isle of the Dead was consecrated ground, and what they they believed or believe at the time. Is that um, because the child hadn't been baptized, 
they were not allowed to be buried on consecrated ground. Because it was a miscarriage. You don't baptize a, a stillborn. Yeah. But... So the rumor is that she's still walking around looking for her kid. Because they couldn't bury the kid with her. Yeah. These these uh, excuses they come up with in the 1800s, I just... Meh. Meh. I don't know. I don't write the rules. Oh, actually, uh, on Officer's Row, is that where the Commandant House was? It. I think it was a little higher up. Oh, okay. So I do have stuff on the Commandant's House. We'll get there in just a little we'll bit. We'll just make our way up the street. Okay. Yeah, we'll make our way up the street. <laughs> Actually, let's. I mean, since we're talking about the officer's role, let's let's jump into the commandant house. Okay, we'll talk about the commandant house. What do you got? Uh, so Commandant Booth, who lived in that house for a while, he uh, he ended up dying while he was out. Well, he got really sick. He was out in the bush for a while. I don't know. Got dehydrated. Got sick. Ended up dying from from whatever disease sickness that he had. Well, anyways, uh, one tour guide's daughter. She was looking for a daughter that was in the house with her and then found her in the bedroom sitting on the edge of the bed of Commandant Booth's room. And she asked her what she was doing in there, and she said she was talking to the owner of the house who was really sick. Okay. And she was able... She knew the story of it already probably put it all together right away, but... That's that's awesome. Yeah. That's, it could be kind of scary, though. Yeah, I would be fascinated by it. <laughs> um... <laughs> Some of the other stuff that people see in the Commandant's house, there's, I guess, one of the old uh, original rocking chairs, I'm going to assume it's from Commandant Booth, yeah. is still in this house, right? Um, people have seen this rocking back and forth on its own with nobody sitting in it. And uh, some of the other things that people say is when they, they try to take a picture of this rocking chair. It, um, it disappears. It, their cameras start to malfunction, actually. Or if they do take a picture of it, their pictures come out blurry, even though they're holding their camera still. I bet you that probably happened to like three people. It's quite possible. <laughs> Everyone else's pictures are just fine. I want to go take pictures of it. Let's do it. I wonder if we can Google pictures of it and there's perfectly well, fine pictures. While of I it. talk about um, the next thing, you Google and see if there's any pictures. Um, I'm going to talk about the asylum next. So we did talk about earlier how... The people that were driven crazy from being in the separate building, or the separate prison, would go to the asylum. So some of the things that people hear in the asylum are some footsteps. Uh, the lights here also turn on and off by themselves. Um, the other thing is, is, like, this building, I guess after the prison closed, one of the things that they did with this, this particular building is they turned it into a schoolhouse. Um, they say that one of the teachers and one of her students have been seen wandering around in this building. Mm-hmm. Anything yet? Uh, not yet. Okay, we'll jump into William Carter next. Okay, I don't know him, so... So William Carter actually hung himself in 1867. He felt this was the only way to escape the silent Look, prison. Port Arthur... Uh, rocking chairs, rocking chairs, clear pictures. Yep, so you're right. It was probably like three pictures. <laughs> But some people are like, oh, no, no, I can't take a picture of it. My camera messes up. Yeah. But there's plenty of pictures on Google. Um, so William Carter, he felt like hanging himself. He felt know, like it? He felt like hanging himself, right? It's because this was the only way to get away from the silent system there in separate prisons. Okay, so a prisoner. Sorry, I was, I was in the middle of Googling yes. things. Like. You were in the middle of Googling things. <laughs> William Carter. Yeah. He was, he was. Oh, he was the guy that had the feeling of hanging himself, wasn't he? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. He felt like hanging himself to get rid to get, <laughs> get away. rid of the silence. Yeah, he wanted to get rid yeah. of the silence system. Oh, yeah, I remember this guy. Yeah. 
You guys go way back. Yeah. I remember. T- I taught him everything you know. Yeah. I taught him how to tie nooses. Yep. You held his hand as he said his final <laughs> goodbyes. Um, so, yeah, no. Th- that's, that's again, how bad the silent system was, living there in separate prison. But he wanted to get away from it, so he, he hung himself. Uh, people, you can still go into a cell where he did this. And people say that they feel like overwhelming sadness when they go inside. And people also report uh, being touched and scratched when they go in that cell. Uh-huh. So then there's also the Sea Wing, which held some of the most dangerous, violent, and criminally insane prisoners. Yeah, and there's some cool stories from the Sea Wing. Well, the only thing I've got... Um, I've got two stories here. One is a guy named John Gould. Yeah, I got a good story about him. Okay, so all I know is he was convicted of attempting to rape a child. And people can see his face in his cell window. So here's a here's a cool story about John Gould. <clears throat> so there was one tour guide who stops in front of his cell. I don't know what they were talking about. But anyways, as she's telling stories on this tour, the people that, you know, on the tour kept laughing while she's talking. It, she's, it happened a few times. So she's like, what, what the hell are you guys laughing at? And they said, the guy behind you, the guy, there's a guy behind you. And what was happening was, as she was telling stories, this guy who everyone on the tour thought was an actor would pop his head out from the cell and make faces at them. And everybody was seeing it. And everybody was thinking that this guy was funny and that he was an actor and part of the tour. And when they said that, yeah, this guy keeps making faces behind you, she's all, what are you talking about? Turns around. Everyone looks in the cell. There's nowhere anybody can hide. Nowhere anybody can run to. There's nobody in there. That's awesome. Later that day, two older ladies were in the uh, museum. Or, yeah, the museum or store or whatever. And they were flipping through prisoners and stuff and found John Gould's face and said, "That's, that's the guy who was making faces. And that was his cell. And that... He, what he was in prison for was yeah attempted rape of a minor under ten, so I'm wondering because of his conviction, you know you know it's kind of common in prisons that anybody going into prison for something like that, they get they get dealt with. Yes, they do. That's that's the type of people that most other inmates, if not all other inmates, dislike. The yeah, most. disapprove of. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm pretty sure he probably got handled in prison, and that's why he's still there. Most likely. Uh, but yeah, that's how they found out his name, John Gould, uh, was because these women who were seeing his face, you know, they ended up identifying him in the museum. That's insane. So that that was that story. <laughs> well, okay then. <laughs> uh, I got some more stuff from separate prison. Uh, there was a young boy there who was actually sentenced to death, and this was actually very rare at the time. Yeah. It's still very rare to sentence a kid to death. Because he couldn't read, I bet. Probably. <laughs> like, we're not going to teach you to read... Um, you die now. Uh, people have reported while they're going through separate prison, uh, hearing his cries at nighttime. And they say that the, his cries sound like the cries he made uh, right before his execution. So basically it sounds like he's crying out for help, I guess. Or that he's just, I mean, he's a kid. I'm sure he's scared. He's going to be put to death. God, I don't even want to hear that noise. I don't either. So maybe if we go there, don't go to separate prison. <laughs> Now, there's a guard tower there that people say that they see uh, apparitions of a soldier in uniform. Uh, people say they hear like moaning noises coming from there. Ghost sex. Ghost sex. 
or real real sex. Real sex. <laughs> um, one, sex. one person even says that they had their arm grabbed while they were walking by. I believe it. It's probably the same person that does not use a camera on the rocking chair. Um, <laughs> so we talked about the commandant's house. Uh, the jetty. Do you have anything? You've heard anything about the jetty? No, I only have one other story, and it's not actually uh, related to any room in particular. Okay, so the jetty is actually outside. Uh, this happened in in 1840. There was a private named Robert Young who fell into the water in the middle of the night. Uh, Robert was on his way to take a doctor to the boys' prison um, when he fell in. How does he? How do you fall in the water in the middle of the night? I, I don't know. He tripped. Maybe they were in a hurry because one of the kids needed the doctor. I have no idea. I, I just know that he fell in. Uh-huh. And they tried to get him out. They tried to rescue him. They couldn't. Sharks got him. Sharks got him. Jellyfish got him. It's, it, it's very possible. Cobras got him. In the water? They're everywhere. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, now, people... Maybe... The, wait, they don't have cobras. They got all the other poisonous stuff. Vipers. It was a viper okay. of some kind. Vipers. Well... <laughs> So here's the thing. As some people said they thought they saw dark spirits pulling him into the water when when they were trying to pull him out. Mermaids. Mermaids. We've solved the, that one. Yep. Another, one, another, another case one solved. solved. Another case solved here on the EVB <laughs> podcast. Um, sometimes people say they see him sitting on the cottage stoop looking over out into the water where he died. The, the claim is that he's looking out for other people so they don't suffer the same fate. I mean that's that's a safe way to say things, but yeah, pretty much. Pretty sure he's just lost. It's very possible. <laughs> uh, Point Pure we talked about a little bit. That's where the kids were uh, stationed, more or less. Yeah, Kid Island. Kid Island. Um, here on Kid Island, they people say they hear children's voices uh, constantly all over the island. When they go to look for where the voices are coming from, no kids can be found. Scared or fascinated? Kid um, Island edition. Yes. Uh, some say they also hear the kids crying out in pain and screaming for help. And then I've got one last one. Uh, now apparently it was very customary for one of the prisoners to become the resident grave digger. Uh, they were forced to live alone on the Isle of the Dead in a small wooden hut. Now one of these, uh, grave diggers was named Mark Jeffrey. He was the most infamous of all of the... Grave diggers there at Port Arthur. Uh, he was accused of manslaughter and was sent to Port Arthur from Ireland. And one day there was a signal fire spotted on the mainland. Uh, soldiers went to see what was happening and the hut destroyed. And Jeffrey in great... Dis- the- mush, 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 I know. mush, mush. I'm reading how this squatch, is written. Squatch. You're I reading didn't, a Squatch I, language? I'm reading a Squatch language. <laughs> this is not my notes. This is from one of the websites. Um, uh, no, that's happened to me so before. So it says he, acu- he was accused of manslaughter and sent to Port Arthur from Ireland. One day there was a signal fire spotted on the mainland. Soldiers went to see what was happening and the hut destroyed and Jeffrey in great distress. So they, <laughs> Yeah. That, that's written weird. So basically the soldiers got there. They saw the hut was destroyed and Jeffrey was like freaking out, right? Okay. Okay. That's what I'm taking from that. Yeah. I believe <laughs> that's it. So that <laughs> see if I had if I had more time to actually put these notes in, in into my own words, that would have made a lot more sense. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's okay though. I've done the same. <laughs> <laughs> well, just like rereading it there just now. Yeah, like, it gave that, me that cancer. Very, that was, just listening to that. <laughs> that was very poorly written. <laughs> um, so, anyways, 
The gravedigger uh, begged the soldiers to take him back with them to the mainland. He claimed to have seen the devil. Uh, Jeffrey reported that the devil appeared to him, destroyed the hut, and left Jeffrey shaking in pure terror. He never recovered from the supposed attack and spent the rest of his days in the asylum. He probably just wanted to get out of grave digging. <laughs> I don't blame him. It's very possible. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay, uh, I got one last maybe, one. Maybe I'll... Uh, put notes into my own words uh, that was like the literally the last one i was trying to like translate over before i came over but that that was that one line very poorly written i apologize for that it's okay we've all we've all mushed mouthed we sure have um all right one uh last story from the tour guides this one tour guide uh as she was telling stories um a guy standing right in front of her all of a sudden grabs his neck in pain and moves his hands and says, you know, what the hell? As she's watching him, the tour guide is watching his neck welt up in front of her, like four big scratches down his neck. And, you know, four fingers scratched down his neck. I'm surprised they didn't. You know, if it was three, of course, it would have been the monk well, of the Trinity. It would have been a demon. Yeah, a demon did it. But because there's four, it's not mentioned. There's no demons in Port Arthur, apparently. <laughs> but uh, Just but crazy anyways, convicts. She saw it happen. So, like, if he would have scratched himself, she would have witnessed it. Because he was, like, maybe just a few feet in front yeah. of her face to face. And she said he just reached up and grabbed his neck in pain, moved his hand, and, like, asked for them to look at it. Seen the force, like, four, like, it was, like, really faint red lines. And all of a sudden, it just started welting out real bad right in front of their faces. Jesus. And, but yeah, that that was uh, right there in Port Arthur. That's crazy. We should so, go there. Uh, yeah, I never knew about this place. And now I really, really want to go. But again, international. We got to get this ghost yacht going. So well, Yeah, the ghost yacht. I forgot about that. We haven't talked about that in a while. <laughs> you know how we get the ghost yacht. By people. It's by people going to our affiliate link to go stop and buying gear like I did. Yeah. By the ANC Mini. Did you buy it with our affiliate link? I sure did. You better have. I sure did. <laughs> um, the problem is, is I think it didn't meet the dollar qualification. I think people, other people have to buy stuff. For, oh, guys, buy stuff. Buy stuff. At go stop. Um, like I said, that's where we get our gear. I, the ANC Mini. I'm excited um, to use that this weekend, actually. I, I didn't talk about it on this episode. We actually did a uh, unboxing video. So I'm going to show it here just real quick. This little device that I've hooked to the back of my SB7 Spirit Box, um, the ANC Mini, it reduces the white noise. So if you've heard your... a Spirit Box or an SB7 or SB11, it goes... Yeah. Yeah, that's how it sounds like. Yeah. Now, with this thing, it's going to sound like this. Pretty much. So I, <laughs> we did make an unboxing video earlier. Um, I guarantee you that video will not be up as when this recording comes out, but it will be up within this week. Here. Yeah, it'll come up this week. It'll come sure. up this week. So I did an unboxing video. Uh, be on the lookout for that. It's ANC Mini. ANC Mini. Coming in your face. Yes. <laughs> yes. Twice. Uh, <laughs> or... Or, like I said earlier, you can buy tickets to our upcoming investigations. We have the Ritz this weekend. We have Bensagrist Mill. Next month. Next month, October 20th. Um, For more information on those, 
Check us out on social media, evp.pod at Facebook and Instagram, or if you have a story that you'd like to share, if you've been to Port Arthur and you have a story you want to share with us, email us at evp.pod at gmail.com or, like I said, hit us up on one of the social medias. Do it now. Go see or it later. Peace out, butterflies. Yeah, do that. Thank <laughs> you.